On today's episode of Locked On Longhorns, your favorite John is back. Not me, John Garcia. You are Locked On Longhorns, your daily podcast on the Texas Longhorns. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Locked on Longhorns, the show, Jonathan Davis, your host. Once again, John Garcia joining me. John, how you doing today, brother? I'm doing well. Uh, just excited this time of year. There's a lot going on. We're, we're previewing a lot of stuff and uh, just got to wait and see what happens on the field, man. So it's, it's a fun time. Yes, sir. So we know that the talk of this recruiting class, the person that's probably kept you the most busy is Arch Manning, right? Yeah. And we know why the legacy uh, you know, his grandfather and his uncles, Peyton and Eli Manning, the number one recruit in the 2023 class. And everybody is waiting to see where he is going to end up. But we talk so much about Arch Manning and the legacy and the hype and all of that, that I feel like what gets lost is who he is as a football player. And so can you talk to Longhorn Nation and tell them who Arch Manning is as a football player? What makes him the number one recruit in the country talent wise that's a great question and like you said we, we don't spend enough time on on that element of arch's discussion it's more like where is he going what's the nil deal that that's coming his way which you know that answer is always a lot uh, no matter where he goes but yeah the, the players really darn good uh this is a kid whose floor i think is is really high maybe the highest among all quarterback recruits in this class and i think that's where there's a lot of challengers to, to, to that for him because maybe some other guys have a, a higher ceiling, but Arch has, has done a lot already at the high school level. I mean, he walked in his freshman year. Uh, there was a senior uh, guy coming back at his high school, took his job. The senior moves to, I think, receiver or tight end. He still got a scholarship, so it worked out for him, but Arch basically commanded that, that position the moment he got to, to his high school campus and has never looked back. So a guy who's started for three full seasons and has taken his team deep into the playoffs each year. And I think that's the, the first thing we should talk about when we talk about quarterbacks is, is the ability to win and play consistently. I mean, I think the flashes, the highs are, are great and the lows are, are probably talked about too much with kids, but kids who can play consistent football at that position uh, kind of deserve uh, their flowers uh, early in the process. And Arch has been really consistent his entire high school career, uh, big kid, six, four, 225. I went down to see him a few weeks ago in New Orleans and, you know, he made me think of Andrew Luck you know, from a physical perspective, a kid who just really is big and physical, but then you watch him run and you're like, he can run some as well. So this big physical quarterback who can actually move. Uh, so certainly a modern quarterback in that sense, uh, you get into the mechanics and you expect with that last name, him to be on point with his processing, decision-making short to intermediate accuracy how quickly he releases the football and that's asking a lot but all four of those boxes are checked it's not even a question at this point so much so that they're implementing an entire new offense at the high school and they're kind of putting him in charge of a lot of it uh, so not only are you putting it in but you're saying hey 17 18 year old arch go help everyone else learn this thing that you're also learning at the same time so i mean there's a lot of trust at his high school uh, and that says a lot at, at the quarterback position to me as well. The last quarterback I, I talked to a high school coach about that had that kind of 
input and freedom was Bryce Young. You know, his high school coach let him run the show for, for a lot of his senior season. And obviously it's worked out pretty good for Bryce. So Arch has that, that mental fortitude that you would assume he does being a Manning. But if you compare him to his uncles and his grandfather, he's very different. You know, he's, he's big and physical like Peyton, but he's a little bit more athletic like Archie. And he's got that quick trigger like Eli. So in some respects, he's a bit of a combination of, of the three. Um, but I think where he really shines brightest is, is, is the modern game, making smart decisions, navigating the pocket, playing accurate and protecting the football. Some real key elements of, of quarterbacking. So he doesn't have the most athleticism or the biggest arm in this class, but he's He's no worse than second, third, or fourth in any of the categories that you look at quarterbacking for. Uh, and it's a really good class. So Arch has earned a lot of this. I'm not going to say all of it because it's it's 2022 and we like to throw stuff out there and clicks and all that stuff is important. But most of this hype that has to do with football, Arch has actually earned it. So I almost got up and grabbed some Kool-Aid out the fridge right here, John, the way you're talking about Archon. <laughs> the key thing that you mentioned to me, so and I love that because I've never heard half of that stuff you said about Arch Manning. All you said, all we talk about is where he's going, how much money he's getting in his family. But you talked about the process and his ability to be able to have input in the playbook at 17 or 18 in high school, them trusting him to teach his teammates that the short to intermediate accuracy. I love the way that you compared him to the, his three family members that all played in the NFL. Great stuff. I also love when we talked about Andrew Luck because we hear all the time that the two most complete, I guess, quarterback prospects that we can think of in recent memory coming into the NFL were Trevor Lawrence and Andrew Luck. So you comparing Arch Manning to Andrew Luck tells me how polished he is right now. So you talked about some other quarterbacks at the top of the class and how they may have higher ceilings. So I think what's interesting to me is Arch Manning is the number one overall recruit in the 2023 class. But the second and the third overall recruits are quarterbacks as well. We right. have Malachi Nelson, who's committed to USC. And then we have Nicholas, a lot of letters. That's what I call him. Nicholas, a lot of letters who committed to Tennessee at number three. You said Arch has earned that number one spot in the recruiting rankings. So he's not at number one because of the hype. If that's the case, then what separates him from Malachi and Nicholas? A lot of letters. <laughs> yeah, with, with Malachi, uh, look, California kid, big, uh, slim quarterback with a huge right arm, real smooth motion. Uh, similar profile in terms of the background to, to Arch in high school, right? Both four-year starters, both extremely productive. Both can make plays in the pocket and outside of the pocket, I think. Nelson, probably a little bit more creative outside the pocket, maybe takes more chances uh, than Arch. Certainly likes to push the ball down the field a little bit more, but but Arch gets him in the consistency department, more accurate, consistent with that intermediate game. Look, look like with quarterbacks, we everybody loves it. Like in, in baseball, chicks did the long ball, right? That's the phrase. So in, in football, everyone loves the deep ball, you know, 50, 60, 70-yard passes, and those are great, and then all these guys can do it. But I think what gets lost in that is, man, like quarterbacking is about the intermediate game. It's about distributing the football sideline to sideline between, you know, seven and 25 yards. And that is really where Arch Manning is, is the best in the country, bar none. And I think that's where he separates from a lot of those guys from a physical perspective. Now, 
his body's much more mature, right? 6'4", 225 than a Malachi Nelson, who's probably 6'4", 190. So a lot more room for him to physically develop. I think there's a lot more technical aspects of the game that Nelson needs to bring to the table to, to begin to match Arch. And, and that's not to say Arch is perfect. He certainly needs to work on his mechanics a little bit. I think a more uh, consistency when he is outside the pocket is something that he could probably uh, shore up on. The deep ball, certainly something that he'll tell you that, that he needs to continue to push for. Uh, so it, there's there's a contrasting element between those two guys, but I think just the floor of Manning is, is so high that it outshines some of these other guys. And with Nico, it's even more of an extreme example. Nico, 6'5", 6'6", 190, just a string bean out there. Uh, but man, huge arm and hugely athletic. I mean, this is this is like this is a different style of quarterback altogether to where you, you don't get that overall consistency. I mean, Nico just broke out really in the last 12 months. Um, but you you get so much flash with him. That right arm is so live, huge release, can can chuck it 80 yards down the field, it seems like, and is really, really mobile as well. Like he can get out of a lot of situations with his legs but then when it comes to you know precision footwork navigating the pocket ball placement uh you know nico kind of drops it down a little bit sometimes you know that's where arch's consistency once again kind of wins out when you start going head to head um but you can make the argument for any of these guys i mean that's the beauty of this class it's a really strong class and you know i would throw Jaden Rashada, Dante Moore into that conversation as well. It's a loaded group at the top. So there's a lot of folks gunning for Arch's throne, but I think the floor and just the overall consistency where there's no glaring weakness like we could point out for some of these others, I think that starts to add up when you start to get into that final, okay, I got to put numbers next to these names. How am I going to do it? When it gets to that part, it's really hard to peg Manning down uh, a couple spots even. Can't go broke taking a profit. And that's music to my ears because what you're telling me is that all three of them can make the flash plays, but Arch Manny makes the right play a little bit more often than the other two. And that's how he ended up as the number one recruit in this class that had nothing to do with his last name at all. Quick word from our sponsors <laughs> at Built Bar. You know how our friends at Built are always coming out with amazing new flavors? Well, this time Built has truly outdone themselves with their new mud pie flavor. And for the first time ever, Built is introducing the new mud pie flavor in both mud pie bar and mud pie puffs. They sent me some, they are amazing. Y'all know I would not lie to you. Chocolate muse, whipped cream, cookies and cream crumble, Stop drooling. Get to Built.com to order your box of mud pie bars and puffs now. You will not regret it. Go to Built.com. Use promo code LOCK15. You get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Built.com. All right, John. I made this point on the podcast the other day, so I need you to bear with me. I'm going to tell you this point. Tell me if I'm crazy or if I'm making sense. Okay. All right. So I did some research. I'm not at that level yet where I have a research guy, so I had to do my own research. And what I concluded, what I found out, was that from 2010 to 2019, the number one recruit offensive line wise in each class made it to the NFL level from 2010 to 2019. Paris Johnson Jr. was the top recruit. These are, these are according to 24-7. I need to put that out there. Paris Johnson Jr. was the top recruit offensive line wise in the 2020 class. He's a projected first round pick in next year's draft. So that's a decade's worth of data telling me that the number one overall offensive line recruit, according to 24-7 Sports, makes it to the NFL level, right? Then we look at Kelvin Banks, who was the number one offensive tackle. He wasn't the number one offensive lineman in the class, but it doesn't matter because both came to Texas. The number one offensive tackle recruit 
and Sark, who has NFL experience with the Falcons, and he has college experience at three of the top programs in college football in Texas, Alabama, and USC. He says that his staff believes that Kelvin Banks could be a potential top five pick in the NFL at left tackle. And so I believe that Sark has enough knowledge to know what an NFL left tackle looks like, right? So if 10 years of data is telling me that Devin Campbell is an NFL player and Sark, who has NFL experience, is telling me that Kelvin Banks is an NFL player, then Texas fans should worry less about this offensive line going into the season because there's a really good chance that Sark added at least two NFL players to it, right? Am I crazy or am I making sense? You're making sense. And I think, you know, we conventionally with college football, you don't ever want to have to rely on a freshman. So I think that longstanding thought maybe, you know, gets in our brains a little bit more like, oh my goodness, this position it has a lot of work to be done, et cetera. I mean, and that's true, right? We don't, you don't want to have to rely on a freshman, but if you get to that point and it's those two were the two best linemen in the country last year. And, and Texas, by the way, signed seven O-linemen in this class. Like it's, it was the best O-line class in the country, maybe ever that we've scouted. You just, you don't have to hit on all those guys right out of the gate. Maybe it's Campbell at the beginning and then, you know, someone else works their way into the lineup in game five. You don't have to do it all at once. Um, but there's also another school of thought that says, these guys are ready to play sooner than they've ever been ready to play because they're, first of all, physically, my gosh, both of those guys look like they're already in college. Uh, but then you think of the competition that they're playing against, both for, you know, in the state of Texas, playing against great competition week in, week out. Uh, certainly, you know, played at a high level at All-American events, camps, all those things that that provide more data and, and, and higher feelings of security when you recruit these guys. Uh, so they're also more ready to compete and play right right away. And you think of Sark at, at his last stop at Alabama. Evan Neal was a freshman who played right out of the gate and nobody worried about it because he just never left the lineup three years later. And then sure enough, he was one of those guys. I'm sure you looked up that was right in the NFL draft uh, this past year. And, and he's he's good to go at the highest level. So that's one of those positions every year. There's a true freshman left tackle or offensive lineman that splashes at a very high level. Uh, so who's to say Texas doesn't have one of those among the seven that they brought in for this class of, of 2022. And, and again, on top of all that, these kids get to school earlier too, right? They get to school in January, you go through spring. So you get some of those bad habits out of your system and you get caught up real quick in terms of the college game and what is asked of you uh, at the collegiate level. So you don't want to rely on freshmen, but at certain positions, history is telling us that, hey, you know, it's it's not as as maybe desperate a deal as it once was. I think if it was a quarterback or certainly some other positions, you'd probably worry a little bit more. But up front where it is still largely about moving your opponent against his will at the end of the day, you can get away with some youth uh, on, on that front. Thank you, John. I, I thought I thought I made a, an excellent point, you know, and so thank you for co-signing it. That's, okay. that's good research, too. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. So Yeah, the last one is funny. The last one that didn't make it to the NFL level was 2009, Mason Walters, who went to the University of Texas. Well, convenient yeah. to leave out, but, you know, hey. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I said 2010. Yeah, so. Um, all right. So Texas did pick up a commitment this week. Uh, and Spencer Shannon, uh, tight end out of uh, 
was it Mater D, Mater Day? I don't know. That is a fo football factory regardless, right? Yes, modern day, yep. I tried to give them, you know, the spark notes on who Spencer Shannon is, but now I have the expert. What type of player is Spencer Shannon? What does he bring to the Longhorns? Yeah, he's a, he's a balanced tight end recruit, and, and I think where he comes from matters. You know, modern day is one of these programs that, you know, the last two years has been the best high school program in America. We, we just talked about Bryce Young and, and kind of that system where, where they came from. I mean, it is a plug-and-play system. I think Bryce Young's senior year, they lost uh, to St. John Bosco. And then the year after Bryce Young leaves, they go undefeated, right? So, I mean, even without the Heisman Trophy winner, this program continues to, to win at a high level. Uh, so so that's where Sanders is coming from. Uh, a balanced tight end, like I said, you know, probably more comfortable catching the football than blocking right now. But there is some, some physical foundation there with him as a blocker. So I think you can get some balance with him at the next level. He'll need to fill out a little bit more, like we say, with most, you know, high school players that are in the trenches to a degree. Uh, so I, I think it's a kid who's going to come from a very good system that emphasizes throwing the football. Uh, and obviously when you're talking about Steve Sarkeesian in Texas, that's something that certainly translates uh, to that level. So not only a good player, but you want to pull, if you go out of Texas and outside of kind of the SEC Big 12 footprint, you want to go to Cali. I mean, that's kind of a natural spot to go pluck from. And obviously Sarkeesian and a lot of that staff has ties out that way. So it's always good on top of the player to keep pushing that pipeline forward. Definitely. Speaking of another pass catcher um, that's coming to the University of Texas as well. So when we talk about this 2023 class, I think it's dominated so much uh, by Arch Manning and then some of the players at top at the top, but really Arch Manning. I kind of went back and looked and I feel like maybe it's just me. I don't want to put this on all the Longhorn Nation. They'll tell me in the comments if I am. I feel <laughs> like I may have underrated the Ryan Niblett commitment a little bit. And I say that because I'm looking and he's a top 70 prospect in the country. Right at, at wide receiver, he's ranked 10th by 24 7. I think he's the 75th overall prospect in the country. I mean, that's really, really, really good. But all we talk about is you know, the Jonte Cooks and the Jalen Browns and the you know, the Jaquez Petaways, the ones at the top, top. And you know, we're kind of Texas fans are kind of waiting on those, those big fish to drop in this commitment class. But Ryan Niblett is somewhat of a big fish, right? I mean, a top 75 Absolutely. prospect in the country. That's, I mean, Absolutely. that's. Yeah, okay. So I, I don't know if Texas fans are treating it as a big fish. And I, I'm like, this is a big fish. 100%. I mean, look, this is this is one of the fastest players in the country at any position, not just wide receivers. So, I mean, I think that alone brings you juice. You know, he's he's a, more of a slot type, 5'10", 5 5'11", 5 a little smaller than Jonte Cook if he's, if he's more popular of a recruit uh, to track. But he's probably faster. And I think that alone, because Cook's known for his explosiveness, that alone should kind of perk your ears up uh, as a Texas uh, football fan. Uh, and that's something that we, we need to see at Texas, right? If you want to be this explosive passing offense, you got to have juice on the outside. You, you know, your big physical receivers are great, and you certainly need that. You need the tight ends to supplement that group and, and great running backs to catch the ball out of the backfield to keep those linebackers honest. But at the end of the day, you need chunk plays. I mean, there's a lot of studies that say chunk plays are becoming kind of the second most important stat in football in terms of how it relates to winning ball games. It's still turnovers, number one, but big plays, chunk plays on offense is becoming like the second biggest predictor of winning games. Uh, so I think something like that is something that slaps you in the face as a football fan. And you say, hey, wh what does my offense look like? Oh, uh, we don't really explode down the field much. We're more methodical. Well, 
there's a lot of data that says in this modern game where everybody's scoring 30 points, it seems like you've got to be able to produce quickly on offense. So a kid who, who runs 10-5 in the 100-meter dash, that should be a welcome sight uh, for Texas fans. Yeah, and you need slot types to counter these, these other positions that we know Texas is so strong at on the offensive side of the ball. So a slot guy who's got a ton of big play ability, uh, that on its own should excite you. But when you think of him being a Texan and a guy who's done it against elite competition on top of that, it should only reemphasize that uh, even more uh, if you're a Texas Longhorn fan. So yeah, Niblet is, is a heck of a get, and he's probably the most important get so far in this class of 2023, especially when you think of um, emphasizing a strength, uh, which is something we don't talk about enough in recruiting. We're always like, what are the holes? Where do we need to go to fix things? But sometimes if things are going really well, you just want to make sure you can maintain that as well. Cool. I'm going to get you out of here. One last question. Outside of Arch Manning, which 2023 recruit is the most important for the Texas Longhorns to land? Oh, man, that is such a great question. My, my, I would be a hypocrite if I went straight to defense because what I just said was about emphasizing strengths. Uh, so I, I'll probably stick on offense. It's either Ruben Owens or Jonte Cook. I think with Niblet on board, you can get away with missing on Cook. So I'd probably go Ruben Owens. You know, I think he's, you know, first of all, former Longhorn commit. Um, and, and there's been different trends in this recruitment. I mean, six months ago, it felt like Georgia and Alabama were really going to crash this party. And then of late, A&M looks like the top threat. So I, I think I'm, I'm going to probably go Ruben Owens, not only because of the position that, that you need to win in terms of continuing this running back legacy, but also, um, you know, messing with brother over there at, at Texas A&M and pulling away from the two teams that just played for, for the national title, winning the high profile recruitment against those guys you know, puts more emphasis on it. So so I'd go Ruben Owens at the moment, but it, it could change if you ask me another time. All right, I will. No, but, but real quick. So do you think that, because that, that's an interesting point if you say Ruben Owens, when Cedric Baxter has taken an official visit and Ruben Owens might be one of the most undecided you know, prospects we've seen in a while. I mean, he was talking about <laughs> taking trips to Syracuse and, you know, then <laughs> – out of nowhere, he puts TCU in, in Louisville, get official visits in schools that were never mentioned with him before. So do you, do you think that Ruben Owens is better than – I don't know if you want to say better. Do you think Ruben Owens is better or has a higher long-term ceiling than Cedric Baxter? Oh, man, they're, they're so different. Uh, I think Baxter is a complete back uh, who could really play out of the backfield if you need him to, uh, much bigger than Ruben. Uh, Ruben is, is a finesse, speed, and space kind of player that that really fits you know a hybrid role almost uh not just as as a running back uh, so i do think they're a little bit different uh, i think i'd take baxter in a pinch just because he's a little bit more physical but man that's that's tough to knock these two i mean they could be the two best backs in the country at the end of the day uh, but they are a little bit different stylistically but i think what's good for texas fans is that both of them are incredibly comfortable catching the ball out of the backfield which has become the necessary trait for running backs. You still got to have that classic stuff in your bag, but if you can't play on third down, you know, outside of blocking a, an incoming linebacker, uh, you, your, your value plummets to a degree. And both of these guys legitimately like seven on seven dudes are struggling covering them as corners and they're both legit big physical running backs. I mean, that's how good they, they each are 
uh, out in space uh, and out of the backfield catching the football. So I think if you land one of those, you're in, in a great spot for Texas because any no school's landing both of them in my mind. Yeah. All right. Ruben Owens, Cedric Baxter, as long as the Longhorns land one of them will be good. John Garcia, another amazing conversation. Longhorn Nation, as always. Peace.